are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Mariners, your home for daily Seattle Mariners news and analysis. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms, of course. Today is Tuesday, December 7th, 2021. I am your host, Titan Gonzalez, joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patnode. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon, where we talk about the Mariners even more. And also get into some non-baseball talk twice a week. Be sure to visit patreon.com forward slash control the zone for more information on that if you are interested. We're continuing our weekly mailbag here on Locked On Mariners. We weren't able to get to everyone's questions on yesterday's show, so we're going to circle back and answer the rest today. And if you like what you hear, give the show a follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this. We greatly appreciate it. So we have six questions left over from yesterday, all on Twitter. And we are going to start here with Connor at CWebPNW. Who asks, assuming the Mariners sign an infielder and another bat, at what point does Julio Rodriguez join the big league lineup, assuming he performs well in spring training? I'll uh, I'll start off real quick before I kick it to you, Colby, by saying it doesn't matter what Julio does in spring training, really, uh, at least from a statistical perspective. I mean, you want to see, you know, where he has where he's at mechanically and all that. Um, but ultimately, it's probably not going to matter what he does in, in spring training. Julio's played 40 games above a ball. Uh, mm-hmm. There are some legitimate questions about his swing and miss. Uh, he is kind of a dead pull hitter right now. Um, not that he can't go the other way, just kind of the way he's, you know, he's progressing right now. And he's only 21, so it's not like it or he doesn't even turn 21 until the end of the month. But it's not like, it's not like it's a cause for concern. It's just that there are issues um with Julio. So when is Julio called up? When he's one of the five best outfielders. When the Mariners feel like he's one of the five best outfielders. Major league quality outfielders, not tools, major league quality. So assuming they sign an outfielder and maybe acquire another guy who could play in the outfield, then I would assume Julio would be behind Kelnick, uh the outfielder they bring in the utility guy and Hanniger at least, and probably Kyle Lewis, if he's still here. So is it possible he makes the opening day roster? Sure. Um, but I really don't think service time is going to play a role at all. It's just about when is he ready? When is he one of our five or six best options? Um, that could be, you know, but here's the deal. If, mm-hmm. if you feel like to me, Julio, whatever Julio is on, on February 20th, right? Let, March 1st, right? Let's just say it's March 1st is the day that they report and whatnot. Whatever, wherever you think Julio sits in that pecking order on, on March 1st is probably where he sits on April 1st. There's nothing that's really going to happen in spring training. Uh, certainly not spring training games that should wildly change. Like, Hey, I thought Julio was our seventh best outfielder coming in to, to spring training, but now that he's hit 400 with a 800 slugging percentage or whatever, against you know 30 double a pitchers like now all of a sudden he's fourth like that should not be what happens here so 
Um, to me, it's it's pretty simple. When you think he's ready to contribute at the major league level and you think he's better than what you're throwing out there now, that's when you call him up because that's all that matters. So when do you think we'll see him? Um, if you just had to guess, throw out a date, you know, or a month rather. Like May 20th. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I think I it'll say, be on the on a similar timeline to Kelnick last year. Kelnick's first call up. I assume was, what, May 13th? Yeah, May 14th. May 14th. Like, yeah, like the date wise. Sure. But like Julio only playing seven games in AAA and then getting called up. Oh, no, no, no. no. Yeah, no, no, no. Like not. That's no. They're not going to do that. Um, no, there's no. just no reason. I to. just I just meant month. I just meant month and day. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously that was, you know, and that happened because uh, AAA uh, or, you know, minor leagues uh, schedule got delayed until the start of May. So. Yeah, uh, Kelnick wasn't able to start playing until until then. Um, <clears throat> Rod, you know, Julio will have pretty much a month head start on uh, on where Kelnick was at the start of 2021. So, yeah. Um, now, like you said, uh, you know, in the end, I don't think like service time is going to be the thing that holds Julio back. Um, but also, you know, I I, I don't think that. It, uh, the Mariners are really going to jump at the opportunity to put him on their opening day roster either. Um, because like you said, he's only played so many games at the, uh, uh, you know, above high a, um, you know, he's bounced around. He bounced around a lot this year uh, between the Olympics and uh, playing down in the uh, Dominican league and all that. So uh, the past year has been full of a lot of movement for, for Julio and, uh, not a lot of consistency for him. So maybe getting him some consistency here and uh, letting him just work through some some more things. Uh, it seems like he's mechanically he's working on some stuff this offseason. Uh, it seems like his swing is a little bit different uh, in a video that he posted the other day. Um, so there, there's some stuff that he's working on. But I think once, you know, once he gets to spring training, it, it like Colby said, it, it doesn't really matter what he does statistically, but. You know, if you feel that he's ready to take on, if he shows you something mechanically that uh, convinces you that he's ready to take on major league pitching or you're ready to take that chance on him, then sure. But I don't think that's going to happen. And I think by the time that we get to March and we get out of the lockout and everything and get to spring training, Julio is probably going to be the sixth or seventh, as you say, Colby, option um in your uh, in your outfield depth by that point so you're you're going to be okay enough to to at least get by for the first month or so until you really truly feel that Julio is ready to uh to take that next step and um yeah and and again it's just really about development it's about what you're seeing from him uh the quality of the at bats that he's having all that stuff well, not yeah, really about the statistics Right. And it's also about the fact that Seattle is trying to win. So, you know, and if, if this was 2021, then then maybe mm-hmm. they were would be a little more aggressive with Julio. But mm-hmm. there's no reason to be aggressive with him in 2022 uh, because you can't really afford to have a Jared Kelnick level struggle uh, from anybody mm-hmm. for too long of a time in, in 2022 because expectations are different. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. 
exactly. All right. Thank you so much for the question, Connor. Uh, really appreciate it. Let's go on, uh, move on over to Cole here at Cole underscore Ridley, who asked dream scenario with what's left in the market. What is the Mariners rotation next April? So they pretty much have four guys uh, who I think both of us can comfortably say are locked into the rotation with Robbie Ray, Marco Gonzalez, Logan Gilbert, and Chris Flexen. Um, so Colby, I'll ask you this. Uh, ideally, you want a five-man rotation or a six-man rotation because I know there's been some rumblings here and there about maybe the Mariners are open to running a six-man rotation to start the season again. Well, Jerry came out and said that they're going to do five, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with that. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I mean, could they change their mind? Sure, but it doesn't really make sense to run a six-man rotation when you're trying to compete, um, at least not for the entire season. So maybe they start that way, but I'm going to assume a five-man rotation. Yeah, I am too. So who's that last guy? Who do you who do you want? Uh, ideal world, uh, mm-hmm. it's it's Shane Bieber, but uh, in in a somewhat <laughs> realistic and an ideal world, it's uh, Luis Castillo. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he probably has the highest upside of any of the names that have been mentioned as available. Um, he's got two years left, which is which is nice. Um, again, strikeout stuff. He's got really good stuff, and and we have seen Cy Young level quality from him. Uh, granted, it was over the 2020 season, which is you know kind of an outlier and also kind of difficult to trust. But we have seen stretches where he's looked like a you know a true number one, and and uh, I think he slots in very comfortably as a number three. So you get that that floor of a really solid number three, um, and I think you have the ceiling of a potential number one and. Uh, there's just not really anybody else out there like that right now, um, unless you want to talk about Frankie Montas, which would probably be my second choice. Yeah, I think uh, ideally, uh, most upside, <clears throat> probably um, probably Castillo. Though I, I really like Montas, and um, I, I, I think the ceiling is pretty high for him. Um, I think the most realistic, though, Sonny Gray, um, if we're just talking about the guys that are clearly available out there um and i would be thrilled to have a rotation that's robbie ray marco gonzalez sunny gray logan gilbert chris flexen maybe not particularly in that set order but uh that's a pretty darn good rotation that you feel good about um so yeah that's <clears throat> that's kind of what i'm um at least eh, i wouldn't say necessarily hoping for i would i would love to instead have a frankie montas or or luis castillo in there instead of gray but that's kind of what i'm mentally preparing myself for is uh is someone like sunny gray in there which is fantastic uh i love sunny gray i think he would be a great addition to this rotation so yeah that's kind of where my head's at with it so uh thank you for the uh, question there Cole really appreciate it we're going to answer uh, a couple more questions in just a moment but real quick a reminder this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by betonline.ag and DirecTV BetOnline has you covered all season long with more props odds and lines than ever before as football continues the march to the playoffs and BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code locked on that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to receive your bonus from basketball football NHL boxing and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino game 
teams, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, they want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. You're listening to Locked On Mariners. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. We greatly appreciate the support. Let's uh, continue the questions here, starting with Alex Ledbetter15 at Alex Ledbetter15. Do you think Toro or Abraham Toro or Adam Frazier has more trade value? Toro seems like a player the A's would cover. Yes, Abraham Toro by far has more trade value. And why would you trade Adam Frazier right now? Um, that doesn't really make any sense. And it, I mean, it makes a little more sense to trade Toro in a package for something. But honestly, it doesn't even make too much sense to trade Abraham Toro either. Um, but just trade value standpoint, Toro um, got more club control. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, Jeff Passan said it when the Mariners acquired Abraham Toro that he's basically on every, you know, baseball nerds dream team out there. Um, you know, teams love Abraham Toro. And uh, yeah, I think he would have uh, quite a bit of trade value if he's actually dangled out there. But uh, I don't think the Mariners should try uh, should trade either one unless Toro helps them get you know a starting pitcher or whatever. It's it's probably Toro who has the the most trade value. I do think that Frazier has some, but um, it doesn't make sense for Seattle to trade him right now. If if they go out and they uh, acquire Trevor Story and trade for Matt Chapman, I, I guess it would make some sense to shop him around, but you could still use him as a utility guy. Uh, I, I don't mm-hmm. think they should trade Toro either. Uh, I think mm-hmm. having Toro on your bench and having Frazier in your lineup or also on your bench is, is a really good, uh, I mean, it's, it's a big upgrade over what you had last year. So uh, Toro raises to the, me, ha- it raises your floor, it raises your ceiling. Mm-hmm. Like it accomplishes both of those things. Um, right. It makes you deeper. Right. So and that's to what me, you want. Exactly. Uh, to me, Toro has the most trade value. Um, I, I don't think either one is going to fetch you like, like I don't think you're trading Abraham Toro for for Frankie Montas straight up, right? Like, right. Um, but as part of a package, then yeah, I would say Toro probably has more because he at least has some track record of success at the big league level, um, and he has four years of five years of club control left. Four. So four. Okay, four. So. Uh, not even Arb yet. He can play third base. He showed that he can h- handle second for the most part. And and again, he just started playing there last year, and he got better as the year went on. He's a switch hitter. Uh, there's yep. some power upside there. I yeah, I think Toro has more trade value than Frazier. Yeah, and he might have the athleticism to play some outfield, which mm-hmm. uh, apparently the Mariners are going to try out a little bit. Um, you know, he he started to improve. At second base, even though the the turns on the double plays were 
still a little bit of a problem, but um, yeah. And then, you know, you saw the, the hit tool uh, and you saw that he doesn't strike out, you know, he gets on base. Um, there's some really, really encouraging signs uh, that you've seen from Abraham Toro. And it just, um, like I said, unless you're, you're getting, you know, something really strong back in a, in a for a package that includes Toro, I just don't really see the point in dealing him, but uh, yeah, straight up if you're, because like, think of it like this, with with Adam Fraser right now, if we're talking about these two guys right now, what makes you confident that you can get more for Fraser right now than you gave up for him? And why would you do that? Yeah. You know, so Fraser um, is more valuable to you on your roster right now than he's not. Toro is probably also the same. Again, unless you're able to get, you know, something fantastic in a package for him. Or, sorry, in, in a, for a package that includes him. So, yeah. Um, now, and like Colby said, if, you know, you're four months into the season or whatever, and you're struggling, and Adam Frazier is playing, you know, he's a he's on track to be a three-win player, then, yeah, he probably has more value just in terms of... Um, you know, helping a team out uh, right then, right now, has the track record, et cetera, has some flexibility that's not, you know, some versatility that's going to be attractive to a lot of contending teams in the middle of a, of a pennant race. So, yeah, you're going to get some bites on that. Um, but right now, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see, like, if we're talking about just, like, what they could fetch in a package right now, just, you know, straight up for, for them alone, I would say that you would get more for Toro. Than Frazier because of the club control, um, because uh, because of the upside, because of all of that. Yep. All right. So thank you for the question, Alex. Really appreciate it. Let's move on to Damian Grubbs at Grubbs Damian. Say we sign Trevor Story. Do we put him at second and try to trade for Matt Chapman or put or put Story at third and start Frazier at second? So Colby, obviously there's the concerns about Story's arm. But the rumors, at least, uh, indicate that the Mariners would like him to to play third base. And if you're going to be giving him shortstop money, ideally, that's where you would like to put him instead of second base because that really decreases his, uh, his value defensively. Um, so if you're the Mariners, and obviously, like, it, it's been said by pretty much everyone that covers the team and that, that would know stuff about the team, that they love Matt Chapman. So do you still, do you think there would be a scenario here where the, uh, the Mariners would sign story with the initial intention to put him at third base, but still explore a Matt Chapman trade. And then if they're able to land him decide to move story to second. I think the issue with, with story at second or at third rather is that, it puts more pressure on the bat because a big part of Tulowitzki's value or Tulowitzki, sorry, story. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Same guy, really. <laughs> when you think about it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. The big part of that, uh, the big part of his value is that he provides that offensive prowess up the middle of the field. And, and if he does what he did last year uh, mm-hmm. and he does that as a third baseman, it's fine but you're losing value from the shortstop money you gave him. Whereas if he's doing that as a second baseman, 
you're still losing value because you're giving him shortstop money, but not as much because it's really hard to find that offensive, you know, power hitter who plays second. Not so hard to find it at third. There are arm issues also with mm-hmm. with Story. So, um, Story at second feels like a pretty good, uh, like a, a better option for Seattle. But also, while that does make Matt Chapman, you know, a better fit, I guess you would say. I'm still I'm I am really close to just being out on the Chapman idea at all. Um, I have legitimate concerns that he's just he can't hit. Um, or that he's not going to be more than an average hitter, which is fine, but mm. I I would like better. But when the Mariners days. are reportedly considering him an impact bat, that is concerning. Um, I think they're I think they're mistaken. Are, yeah, you're you're banking on him getting back to the numbers that he was at you know a couple of years ago instead of what the player is now, and. Um, it's just, especially with the hip and everything, um, and the right. really concerning strikeout numbers. It's just that's not that's not very enticing for from my standpoint, from my personal standpoint. Well, that just, to me is not an impact bat. Well, and that's the problem here is that if you let's say you get Story and Chapman, right, and those are your two impact bats, mm-hmm. there's a very strong possibility that those are both league average bats and nothing more. And I don't consider that impact. Are they upgrades over what you had last year? Sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, anything at league average is a major increase over what you got from second base last year. Uh, Chapman offensively at third base, not that much better than Seager. So uh, I really, I don't love the idea of those being the two impact back guys. I would honestly, I would probably rather they just go get Chris Bryant and just have Adam for Like if it's, if it's Story and Chapman or Bryant and Frazier, I'd probably rather just go Bryant and Frazier, um, to be quite honest with you. That's how concerned I am about the bat. Um, I don't know. I think I'd Chapman. still, I think I still, depending on cost, obviously. And, and I'm more so talking about, because like I, while I'm not excited about the idea of giving Trevor Story a, a long term contract, it's money. I, ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't really care about that. But with Matt Chapman, you should. It, well, uh, to a degree, right? But but with Matt Chapman, the trade package concerns me because, like, are you going to be evaluating him as you know past Matt Chapman or current Matt Chapman? So that's that's what that's right. really contingent upon for me. I just but. His but strikeout me, rate. I think I would still, I would still rather bank on. Or I would still rather go for the upside of Story and Chapman and have Frazier as like my super utility. I think that's right. probably a more valuable play in terms of just strictly 2022 production and just thinking about the 2022 team, which you obviously can't do. But just looking at that, I think I'd still lean Story, Chapman, Frazier than. Brian and Frazier, though I, I totally understand what you're saying well, or where you're coming from on that part. It's probably closer to like it's you say it's it's Frazier, Story, Chapman. Well, in that case for me, then I would say I would counter and say, well, then it's actually Bryant, Conforto, and Frazier is the other side of sure. things. And I'd rather okay. have that second group because again, I'm not I'm not saying don't spend that money on anybody. I'm just saying give twenty five and one twenty five to Story or I don't know, four and 80 to Conforto. I think it's closer than people want to admit. 
um, because a lot of a lot of stories value is a shortstop and he's not going to play shortstop for you, period. End of story. He's not going to do that. So now the uh, pressure is really on the fun. bat. And so, you know, I recognize I might be the low man on story and I might be the low man on Chapman. And obviously if they get them, I'll be fine with it because those are upgrades. They are. Are they the impact bat that they need? I don't think so, which means you're really counting on your lineup to just be deep. And that could work. Um, you can score a lot of runs with a with a lineup of just nine 100 WRC plus guys because most teams don't have that. But right. it's not ideal. And it puts a lot of pressure on your young guys to perform. And I just don't know if that's the best way to go. But it sounds like a way that the Mariners are very strongly considering. All right, we got two more questions to go here. Uh, let's start with at We Can't Score on Twitter, uh, who asks, uh, besides the usual suspects, and they put in parentheses here, Castillo, Sonny Gray, and NEA's starter, whom would you classify as a two or three that the Mariners should go get? I'm going to say, well, it depends on how you feel. I, I feel like Zach Gallen is a, is a three. So I would say Zach Gallon. Colby? Yeah, he's kind of the more obvious one. Um, mm-hmm. There's a reason that we keep mentioning those those handful of guys. It's because they're the most obvious and they make the most sense. And they mm-hmm. are good fits for Seattle. And the Mariners and have, an ex- have expressed explicit yes. interest in them. Yeah, so I mean, like those, there's a reason that those are the obvious names because they're obvious, right? Um, and there's just not a lot of those guys out there. Like, who's another number two that's even available? Mm. It's not a lot. There's none in free agency anymore, unless you want to consider yeah. Kershaw, but Kershaw's not coming to Seattle. So I think Gallon's a good one. I don't think he's a Would three. Would you say Rodon is a three? I don't trust him, so no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A number three is a guy that I really want to trust, and I, I want, you know... Like I would rather my number three give me 180 innings of like four fit baseball than, hey, would do you want this guy who might give you 180 of you know three fit baseball or this guy who might give you 25 innings of three fit mm-hmm. baseball and, and Rodon's not doesn't have a super long track record of being hurt, but the fact that we haven't heard any team interested in him like nothing, and his agent is Scott Boris who famously makes stuff up to drive up markets for his clients. That's concerning to me. And the fact that he, when he came mm-hmm. back from his injury, he was 92, 93 instead of 98, 99. Like there's a price point where Rodon makes a lot of sense and maybe it gets to that right. point for Seattle. But for me, I'm not giving him multiple years to be honest. With you. I would not feel all that good doing yeah. that. Um, the other, the other name uh, again, I don't, I don't think he's a two or a three, but he's good. Uh, he could be a three. John means, is the guy that's been out yeah. there a little bit. Um, yeah. But again, really, you start looking around. Mike Miner isn't a three, but maybe he's a four or five. Eh, maybe he's available. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, nah, I like Mike Miner as a five. Like, if he's my five, I feel okay. Um, sure, sure. But yeah, there's just not guys out there that are available yeah. that uh, really haven't been discussed. There's only really... I would say that there's only two number number three number twos uh, still in the market, and that's Montas and that's uh, Castillo, and uh, yeah. everybody else I would say is a three or lower. Uh, but Pablo Lopez, yeah, right, yeah, potentially Pablo Lopez, depending on what the valuation is there from from Miami side of things. 
So, yeah, for me with with Gallon, it really depends on what, you know, like, are the Diamondbacks going to be realistic, right? Which, uh, who knows? (laughs) They should be rebuilding. Uh, but uh, you they know really they, they they won't um you know 26 year old who you know has a very high ceiling but just really hasn't gotten there yet and uh hasn't pitched above 120 innings dealt with some injuries this year um has only been worth four and a half wins in, in his last three you know in his first three seasons um you know but high strikeout guy you know there's there's definitely uh more there than what you've seen from him in Arizona maybe it's the um you know maybe a little bit of, a little bit of it is being on a bad Arizona team so get him into a different situation see what happens um yeah. I've always liked Zach Gallen so I would be really into that and I think that's um, a pretty fun upside play if you're looking for a bit more upside that might not cost you as much as a Frankie Montes or a Luis Castillo hopefully ideally because yeah. that's what he should be evaluated uh, he should be evaluated below those guys. But will the Diamondbacks actually do that? Will they actually be open to that? Probably not. But that's the guy that I would throw out there. That's not any of the Reds guys or any of the A's guys. So thank you for the question. Let's move on to Aiden, who has our last question of the day, uh, who simply asks, what do you think the AL West standings order would be at the end of the year if none of the five teams make any more big moves? Um. I'd say, you know, Astro's got to be at the top. Yep. Uh, and then it kind of becomes a mess. Um, I would say the Mariners are two, just because I don't believe in the Angels to actually live up to expectations with that, you know, with all that offensive firepower that they have. Uh, the pitching is still not ideal. Um, I don't know what they're doing, giving Noah Syndergaard $21 million for the year when they could have pretty much given the same AAV for a longer term deal to uh, Robbie Ray or someone, but you know, nevertheless. Um, so I'd say Angels three, uh, A's four, Rangers five, maybe Rangers four. See, maybe the Rangers are. Do you think the Rangers are better than the A's? No, I I this don't. One? I I yeah. because the question is is if they don't make any more moves. Well, right. o- Oakland's roster right now still pretty good. Like arguably the best rotation yeah. in, ba- in in the in the division, one through five, uh, they still have their corner guys. I mean, they've only lost Mark Canna, really, um, who's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I point. still like if they didn't make any moves, I think you could argue Oakland has the second best roster sure. uh, because I think their starting pitching is better than Seattle still right now, at mm-hmm. least. Uh, I think their offense is better than Seattle's. Seattle has a better bullpen. Um, so I think I can make a pretty strong argument that Oakland, if again, if they don't make any more moves, which we know they're going to, I could say mm-hmm. that Oakland is the second best team in this division. So and is I that what you're going with? You're going Astros one, A's two? No. Because here's a, here's the difference for me between the A's, the Mariners, and the Angels. And I feel like as the roster sit right now, it's pretty close uh, between those three teams. Mm-hmm. I think Seattle's bullpen is so much better than the other two that it mm-hmm. counteracts because I, I the the Angels have a pretty decent rotation. Um, it's Otani, it's Cindergard, it's it's Lorenzen, it's Sandoval. Um, that's pretty good, but there are a lot of question marks there. And mm-hmm. so again, just judging off of the roster as they sit right now, I think I probably put 
the Mariners second, the A's third, and the Angels fourth. But those three teams are all very close right now. Um, Mm -hmm. As for where things stand at the end of the year, I would suspect the Mariners will have the second best roster uh, at the end of the offseason. But as for right now, I think those three teams are very close. And because the question specifically asked if they don't make any more moves, I I think the A's are a legitimate wildcard contender. Any more big moves was the specific wording. Well, big moves would be trading Matt Chapman or Matt Olson or Chris Bassett or sure. Sean Manaya. So, sure. yeah, I, I think the A's. I think the A's are either second or third as they stand right now. I don't mm-hmm. think that'll be the case come opening day. So, well, on that note, that's going to do it for our show today. Thank you so much for joining us here on Locked On Mariners for Colby Patnode. I'm Tidey Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at lo underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, S D A N E G N Z L Z, and Colby at CPAT11. That's C P A T one one. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every day. Greatly appreciate the support. No episode tomorrow. Got some stuff going on tomorrow, but we will be back on Thursday. So be sure to check back in then. And uh, But until then, make your second listen of the day, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. And just like us, their show is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you on Thursday. Peace. Peace.